0: Roth Hill Park, Part 1 Silence. Jenna, have you seen that case file from last week? Sergeant Sawyer said, walking in from the lobby of the Roth Hill Police Department.
1: The Niles Raven case?
0: Jenna said, looking over her desk. She tried to keep it as organized as possible, but with so much happening over the last few weeks, cases started to form leaning towers. James Cavanaugh, age 23, Linda Beasley, age 36, Toby Riley, age 27. All missing persons, all still unsolved. Some even dated back almost three years. Quinn! Sawyer screamed. Where is the case file? He stood there in the double doors that led into the bullpen looking like a drill sergeant. Jenna dropped to the ground almost as fast as the pages landed, trying to pluck the sheets out of the air before they fell. She collected every piece she could find that had the name Niles Raven on it before finding the last one under the flipped over picture of her cat casualty of the storm.
1: "'I've got it here.'
0: She held up the file. The glass of the frame shattered in the fall, and the floor was covered in shards. "'Jesus, it's about time,' he said, passing her desk and snatching it from her hand. The glass crunched under the weight of his tall, muscular frame.
1: "'You're welcome,'
0: Jenna said under her breath as she bent down to pick up the pieces. "'You got something to say to me, Quinn?' Sawyer said, turning around to face her again. He almost stepped on her fingers as he stopped in front of her bent figure.
1: "'I'm sorry,'
0: she said as she straightened herself.
1: What I meant to say is you could have said thank you.
0: Sawyer stared at her with a fine line between his lips. The brown of his eyes were light, which contradicted the way he carried himself. Nothing about Sawyer made Jenna think that a part of him could be described as light. Wachowski, he yelled. Jenna heard flustered footsteps scurry to the doorway Sawyer just walked through. The double doors of the lobby flapped back and forth as a rookie cop that sat at the front desk ran through them, the doors making a slapping sound. Yes, Arch, he answered, almost standing at attention.
2: Good news, Rook. You're relieved for this evening. Detective Quinn has kindly offered to take your overnight, he said, crossing his arms.
1: That's horseshit,
2: Jenna yelled. Yeah, one more time, Quinn. One more damn time. I've been waiting to suspend your ass. He paused and leaned in so he could whisper in her ear. I wonder what your father would think if he saw how much of a lackadaisical piece of crap detective you've become.
0: Jenna's stomach churned at the mention of her father. She bunched her fist. Instead, she grabbed her coat from her desk chair. She brushed past Sawyer and walked through the double doors. It was colder in the lobby than the rest of the station. The fall chill crept under the gap of the front doors. Jenna put her coat on and walked behind the desk sound of her footsteps bouncing off the marble walls. The smell of the old leather filled her nostrils. She liked to think that she could still smell her dad's cologne when she wore his jacket. The lobby was quiet now. The lamp on the desk cast a faint glow across the polished hardwood. When she sat down, the swivel chair made a loud squeak that grated her ears in the hollow hall. Jenna held her face in one hand while she studied the doors. They were elegantly carved with wood that came from the trees that surrounded Roth Hill, a park that was unimaginatively called Roth Hill Park. The park bordered the town and expanded for miles. Most of it still couldn't be mapped because of the sharp turns and steep cliffs and with government money slowing down for a small town who would pay someone to draw a map. She followed the thin lines that made the shape of the tall oak tree on the door that mirrored the badge which hung off of her belt. The pictures that hung on the wall were of past detectives and policemen who died while on the job. She gazed at the frames organized in neat rows and met her father's hard brown eyes in his picture. When he was alive he was slightly taller than she was with a muscular build and a smileless face. People joked about his smaller stature for a detective, but everyone on the force knew he gave 110% every day on the job. He died just outside Roth Hill on Interstate 66 by two jackasses with a shotgun who'd just rob a bank. He was the reason she wanted to be a detective. To prove that she was more than just an aloof child who couldn't hold down a job. She wanted to do something that they both could be proud of to be able to stare at that picture hanging on the wall and know that she was worthy to be called his daughter. Her dad, who Sawyer called the better detective Quinn, was one of the best detectives Rothville ever had. The biggest reason she became a cop was to try to get closer to him, to access a part of his life that felt close off to her. For so long all Jenna could remember about her father was what the back of his coat looked like, the same coat that hung off her shoulders. He was always out on assignment, and she was always left alone watching bad reruns of long worn-out soap operas. How many nights did she sit at an empty dining room table? How many times did she pretend to play cops and robbers, hoping that one day her dad would see how much she wanted to be him? Jenna couldn't hate her father, even when Sergeant Sawyer called to tell her that he had been shot. She only met Sawyer a few times in the past, and he seemed lukewarm to her. But after Jenna transferred to Roth Hill Police Department, he got sour. She found it odd that someone could change so drastically in such a small amount of time. She couldn't go two feet without someone telling her how great a guy Sawyer used to be when her father was alive. He became a shell of that man. He treated her like she was the reason her dad was dead. Now all that was left of her dad was this worn out jacket and that picture hanging on the wall of the job that took him away from her. His eyes seemed to get colder the more Jenna stared at them. It was almost as if he was looking down on her, waiting to see what she would do next. Help! A man burst through the front doors. Somebody please help me, said the man before collapsing on the floor. He was dirty, like he spent the night rolling in mud. My daughter, she was taken by the forest he said, pointing towards Roth Hill Park, by that thing. Jenna stood up from her desk, her hand hovering over her sidearm. Roth Hill Park was within walking distance of the police station. Everything was within walking distance of the park.
1: Calm down, sir.
0: She walked through the swivel half-door that separated the desk from the lobby and crouched down.
1: Who took your daughter?
0: The, The forest, he said, still pointing at the park. His hand shook.
1: Someone in the forest took your daughter?
0: No, he screamed. The forest took her.
1: All right, calm down. Let's start with the name. Yours and your daughter's.
0: Jenna said. His chest rose and fell rapidly. Jenna helped him up to a chair that sat against the wall with the portraits. John. My name is John. My daughter's name is Samantha. He wiped the sweat that formed on his brow. She pulled out her patent and pen.
1: Can you tell me anything more about this voice you heard?
0: I, I couldn't see where it was coming from. His voice got shakier, like he was trying to force the words out. It sounded like a man's voice. Please, you—you you have to go in there. I'm—I'm I'm too scared. I just—I I ran like a coward.
1: All right, I'm gonna go talk to my partner. Just stay here and don't move, John. Okay.
0: John sat there, muttering to himself, repeating, "Park took my daughter over and over again." Jenna turned and walked back through the double doors that led deeper into the station. Sergeant Sawyer sat at his desk, looking over what looked like three different cases at once. He held a file in one hand, and another file in his other hand, while he looked down at the file Jenna gave him earlier, which now lay open on his desk. Jenna cleared her throat, but Sawyer wouldn't look up. Hey. Jenna asked. What is it, Quinn? He said without looking at her.
1: I got a John here that says a voice took his daughter in the park.
0: Jenna pointed back at the lobby. Wait, what park? He looked up at her now.
1: Roth Hill. "'Is there another park in this town, genius?'
0: she said under her breath. "'Where is he?' "'He got up from his chair.'
1: "'He's just outside.'
0: Sawyer walked past Shannon through the doors. He walked up to John, who still sat on the bench looking tired. "'Who took your daughter, John?' Sawyer asked. The sudden deep tone of Sawyer's voice made John jump. "'The park took my daughter.' "'A deep voice in the park,' John repeated robotically.
2: "'A voice took your daughter. "'Okay.' Did
0: you see anybody? Sawyer asked, raising an eyebrow. No. No, I couldn't see anything. Don't you understand that? John shouted, standing up from the bench. The park took my daughter, and all I'm doing is sitting here talking to you people who aren't doing a goddamn thing. He slammed his fist against the marble wall, which made a silent thud like stomping on carpet. Calm down, John. Sawyer took a step back, and his hand hovered over his pistol. Just take a deep breath now. John looked at Sawyer's hand and saw it on the clasp of his pistol holster. "'I'm sorry. I'm sorry.' John sat back down on the bench. "'I just... my daughter.' Tears fell from his face and his head slumped into his lap.
2: "'All right, John. I want you to show us where your daughter was taken.' Sawyer said, relaxing his posture.
1: "'Show us? Shouldn't we call the hospital?'
2: Jenna asked.
1: "'Or a shrink?'
2: "'We can't leave him here alone, and we need to see where she
0: was taken.' Sawyer said with an air of superiority that made Jenna roll her eyes. I... I can't go back in there, John said, looking at them. That's why I came here, so you guys would go in. There's something in there. His voice echoed in the hollow lobby. A steadiness crept back into John's voice at his refusal.
2: Yeah, there is something in there. Your daughter is in there. You're gonna have to go back in, John, Sawyer said. He walked over to the desk and grabbed a walkie off its charger. You're the only one who saw where she was taken. And we can't leave you here by yourself.
1: Who are you going to call, Sawyer?
0: Jenna asked, eyeing the radio as Sawyer clipped it into his belt.
1: We're the only ones here since you let the rookie go.
0: Probably the fire department, Sawyer said, ignoring Jenna's tone. They're the only ones we can really call for backup if something goes south. Jenna looked past Sawyer and noticed John on the verge of bolting out the door.
1: Relax, John,
0: Jenna said, trying to ease the man's nerves.
1: You'll have us in the park this time, so there's no need to be afraid, and I think Samantha would really like it if it was you that found her.
0: They walked down the streets, past all the people sleeping in their homes, unaware of what was happening around them. The missing persons flyer for Linda Beasley fluttered in the wind against its staples that held it to the telephone pole. The eerie quietness of the night put Jenna on edge. This silence was different than the silence in the police station lobby. That silence was dull and normal. The kind of silence Jenna found in her living room late at night when she curled up on the couch with her books. This silence was the kind of quiet that came right before the first crack of thunder from a storm. You came this way? Sawyer asked, looking at John, who still shook, but at least looked a bit more composed now. I think I remember running past the gladiator statue and then off from the main path. John answered, sounding remarkably more composed. I can figure it out if I lead the way. They came to the entrance of Roth Hill Park. There was a rusting archway over the entrance, with stone pillars holding it up. Behind it, Jenna could just make out the gladiator statue that marked the opening of the main path. There was a sign bolted to one of the stone pillars with a warning that said to stay on the marked trails. The uneasiness of the silence peaked here at the mouth. The air felt thick, and Jenna struggled to breathe.
1: Something feels off about this place.
0: Jenna said, eyeing the sea of trees that stood before her. What do you mean, Quinn? Sawyer and John started walking toward the gladiator statue.
1: It's almost hard to breathe in here,
0: Jenna said, gasping. She hunched over and clutched her chest. Suck it up and let's get in there. We're losing time. He said, passing the gladiator, giving it a side glance. Jenna stood up and forced the molasses air into her lungs. It almost made her gag.
1: What is up with this statue?
0: Jenna asked, not expecting an answer.
2: It was supposed to symbolize man getting over its
0: obstacles. Sawyer answered from ahead of her. He kept John in front of him to make sure he wouldn't ditch them. Huh? Jenna asked, squinting her eyes. Look, since the beginning
2: of man, we've killed each other for sport, taken slaves, treated people like nothing, like pieces of dog shit.
0: He stopped walking and stared at the leaves that hung from the branches.
2: It was supposed to be the representation of us moving past treating people like that. We were supposed to start treating them like human beings. The proud slave standing up to his Roman masters.
1: I think we've come a long way since then.
0: Jenna said as she stopped next to him. She noticed the darkening bronze of the statue that gave it a dirty look. No. Sawyer said as he stared back at the statue.
2: It's just taken a different form. We've replaced dressing people up to die with slowly bleeding them to death from shadows.
1: You lost me again, Sawyer.
2: Jenna said. At least back then when you died, you got to put on a show.
0: Sawyer took a good breath and kept walking down the path toward the center of the park. The trail lights here were out for some reason, which made it seem almost sinister. Sawyer and Jenna pulled out their flashlights and let the light illuminate the darkened forest. Jenna aimed her light ahead of John so he could see where he was going, but Sawyer kept his firmly trained on John's back.
1: Don't you think it's weird how just a few minutes ago he could barely speak and now he's leading us through a park at night?
0: Jenna
2: whispered to Sawyer. "'It's definitely weird, but it's all we have. Keep your eyes peeled and be ready if he tries anything. I got your back and you have mine, right?' Sawyer
0: said.
1: "'Right,'
0: she answered. That tiny exchange started to break this mold Jenna put Sawyer in. Maybe it was just the fact that John might turn around and kill them both at a moment's notice, but for the first time, it felt like they were actually part of the same police force and not enemies. "'I think this is where I came from,' John said, pointing at the ground." "'What makes you say that?' Sawyer said, keeping a good three feet between them. "'Look,' John said, pointing at the imprints in the mud. "'They look like yours,' Sawyer said, crunching to get a closer look. He lowered his flashlight to inspect the shoe prints. In the time Jenna lived and worked in Roth Hill, she never ventured off the main path. The trees and bushes grew over the paths, which made it impossible to tell if what waited on the other side of them was a steep decline or a pitfall. They followed the footsteps.' The saturated dirt made sucking noises as they walked over it. They came to a lake in the middle of the park. The water reflected the moon's glow, masking the park in an ivory cloud. A gust of wind ran across the lake, making small ripples. It made Jenna raise her arms to shield her face. At the center of the lake was a tall oak tree, with its roots firmly planted in the lakebed. The low-hanging branches met the water, and when the wind shook them, they made noises like water flowing from a gentle waterfall. The tree felt out of place in the park, because where the other trees were shorter and thin, this one was both fat and tall. It felt like the surrounding trees were watching it, waiting for it to give them a command. John fell to his knees and began to whimper, while he repeated no, no. He held his shaking head in his hands and began to convulse. Jenna looked in the direction John was facing. The wind began to blow again, and accompanying the sound of the cascading water was the sound of a wrenching rope ten feet from the ground hung a girl no older than seven or eight her eyes clouded gray and her thin arms were held neatly at her sides the wrenching rope was wrapped around her neck while her head lolled to the side the endless wind disturbed the branches again and her body started to sway her blond hair dancing in the wind